0: Welcome to Living Biblically, a podcast from Graceland Church. Join us as Pastor Nate shares biblical wisdom that we can use in our daily lives and relationships to help us put Jesus first in our lives for our neighbors. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this episode of Living Biblically. My name is Nate, and I serve as a husband, as a dad, and one of the pastors at Graceland Church, specifically the lead pastor. It's good to be with you and what i want to do for the next 3 episodes is i want to i want to share with you ever so briefly uh, about uh, a mark of maturity and a value that we have here at Graceland uh, a mark of maturity these are statements phrases you can you could posit them as questions that help an individual discern is the mission that Graceland has put forth gaining traction In your life. And so, our mission statement, our marching orders, our moral compass, our North Star, whatever way you want to describe it is we want to put Jesus first in our lives. So, we want to love Jesus with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. So, put Jesus first in our lives for our neighbor. The mission of Jesus, he came to seek and save the lost. He came not for the healthy, but for the sick. And so, if you're a believer in Jesus, part of your job, part of your responsibility is to declare, appeal, share, have a sense of urgency about lostness around you. There are people who are either lost or found. Every single person who has ever lived and is living right now or will ever be born will either be lost or found. People are born lost, and they need to be found by Jesus. So we want to put Jesus first in our lives for our neighbors. And uh, one of the ways that we discern is the mission of Jesus gaining traction in our lives, a mark of maturity, a measure of maturity, is that we want to begin with the Bible as as we, we want to be a church comprised of people that begin with the Bible. So that's the individual thrust of 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 discerning the traction or lack thereof of the mission statement in our lives. A value, one of our church's value is stand on the word. So they kind of go together, but once more once individually centric, where you ask yourself a question, Am I putting Jesus first in my life for my neighbor? One of the ways that we evaluate that is Am I beginning with the Bible? Is the word actually important? Do I do I make time for it? As a church, collectively, or we might say corporately, though I don't really like that language; it sounds corporate, to be honest. But one of our values, and and a value is uh, something that helps us say yes to things and no to things. It's it's guardrail. It it speaks to behavior that we want to see our church embody and exemplify, and and that. One of the values is stand on the Word. So we want to be a church comprised of people that begin with the Bible and stand on the Word. The Bible is very important for a myriad of reasons. Francis Schaeffer, who is, uh, was a philosopher, a theologian, he has written many books. He talks about the gift of special revelation. And if you have known me for any amount of time, you have heard me quote and perhaps butcher this, uh, this phrase— or this excerpt from from Francis Schaeffer that he said many years ago, he talks about general revelation is the fact that the design speaks to a designer, the, the creation speaks to a creator, uh, the artistry in the world speaks to an artist. Uh, he sa- says there's this general revelation that we can look out and we can attest to what Paul talks about Romans 1, that his, his, uh, his, his, divine qualities and attributes are seen in creation, right? So general revelation. We understand Ecclesiastes eleven. God has placed eternity in the hearts of men, women, boys, and girls. We know there's something more. Right? There's something behind all of this, right? We're not just a, a glob, an amalgamation of all sorts of, the, you know, the details of an evolutionary process. There is something behind what we see in the world, and there's a creator. General revelation. Everybody understands that truth. Many, most suppress that truth. Romans 1, they push it down. Francis Schaefer talks about the gift of special revelation, where if God had not disclosed or revealed who He is, we would not know Him with the detail that we know Him, in terms of Him revealing Himself in the Word. We, we would say the 66 books of the Bible, the 39 books in the Old Testament, the 27 books of the New Testament that comprised the Bible, the Old Testament, the New Testament, that, that describe, that disclose, that reveal, that make much of the personhood um, of God, right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and the plan of redemption, salvation to the glory of God. And so, special revelation, the Bible is, is really important. And as we think about a couple of texts that I want to share with you, one is 2 Timothy 3:16, where Paul writes, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God, that the woman of God may be complete, equipped for every, equipped for every good work. So what I want to do, just, just for a couple more minutes, and I am going to do this in this episode and the next two episodes, if the Bible is really, really important, and it is, the Bible is so incredibly important. We don't worship the Bible. We reverence and worship God as he has disclosed himself with great detail and specificity and with a finality, as the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 1, in the Bible. So the Bible is the means by which we know who God is, and I'll talk more about that particular truth. But in this episode and the next two, I want to talk about if the Bible is that important, what do we do with it? How do we read it? And in this particular episode, I want to talk about how the Bible changes you how the Bible changes you. So I want to read 2 Timothy 3.16 one more time. All Scripture, all means all, all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. What does that mean? What, what, what does what does Paul mean in this, in this particular verse? So I'll, I'll just real quick, I want to walk through what those words mean. All Scripture is profitable for teaching, teaching how we should think, how we should believe, and how we should live. The Bible is profitable for, for teaching us how to think, how to believe, how to live. It's profitable for reproof. Reproof uh, means a uh, a rebuke that is designed to bring about change. We would call that repentance, right? Uh, so that thinking and actions can change. A friend of mine, Clifton Ross, said that we all out-preach and all out-teach what we live. And at times, we need a friend to say, hey, that ain't right. That ain't right. And the Bible is a light that shines upon our outward appearances, our behavior, and our disposition, our our, our internal working, The you know, our heart. And so, The Bible is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for for a rebuke. A correction, it says that thirdly for correction, is the flip side of reproof. It's a a positive exhortation. Not just don't do that, but do this, right? I mean, you've you've had people come alongside and say, hey, stop doing that. Well, there needs to be not only the negative exhortation, but there needs to be a positive exhortation. Don't do that, but do this. For what purpose? Training obedience of faith. We, we see this in the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. We often think that the Great Commission is only relegated to teaching people how they need to come to faith in Christ. It's certainly that. It's not less than that, but it's much more. It's You need to come to Christ. You need to display that commitment to Christ by way of baptism. That's the public declaration that you are on team Jesus, that you've believed upon Jesus to do that in the context of a local church with God's people. And then Jesus says, and teaching them all things. So the scriptures are profitable, beneficial for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training that we would be built up, equipped, mature for the works that God has for every individual. Elsewhere, Matthew chapter four, verse four, Jesus says, "Man, woman shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God." Well, what does this mean? As we're thinking about reading the Bible, um, aligning our lives with the Bible, how does the Bible change us? The Bible changes us in a lot of ways, right? It it trains us, it corrects us, it reproves us, it teaches us. The Spirit of God takes the Word of God and changes our spirit. We would call that uh, regeneration. The Bible makes this exclusive claim to be the means by which people are saved through the message of the gospel. And we understand that we're not saved by works, but, but we're saved for good works through the gospel of Christ. Galatians chapter 3, verse 2, we understand that we aren't saved by doing good works, but by hearing and believing the gospel by faith. What is the gospel? The death Burial, resurrection, appearance, ascension, return of Christ. And Paul says elsewhere in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 after listening to or reading the message of truth, the gospel of our salvation, having also believed, trusted, had confidence in who Jesus is, and that he'll do what he said he will do, we were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. I mean, John chapter 3, we were. The, the, the Spirit of God regenerates our souls. We're born again. That's the language. So the Bible changes your spirit, changes our spirit. We call that regeneration. The Bible changes our mind. The Bible changes our mind, right? You think about Proverbs chapter two or even Colossians chapter one, where Paul says that you would be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So the Bible changes our spirit. The Bible changes our mind, and the Bible changes our affections. I mean, we read this in the Psalms, delight yourself in the Lord. How do we delight ourselves in the Lord? Well, as He has revealed Himself in the Bible. So delight yourself in the Lord as seen in the Bible, and He'll grant you the desires of your heart. So the Bible changes our mind, changes our spirit, changes our emotions. We might say our affections and then it changes our will. Once we've received new life in Jesus, our minds have been enlightened to the things of God, and, and they have been affected emotionally, and we are compelled to act. Our volitions, our will, so it changes your spirit. It changes your mind. It changes your emotions. It changes your will. So in light of all of that, we at Grace want to be a church that publicly our behavior, our corporate behavior, our church, right? What what uh, what behaviors we want to see? We want to be a church that publicly and privately, corporately, individually, outwardly and individually believes, loves, and orders our lives by the Word as the Word points us to Jesus. But the question is, how do we do that? How do we do that well? And in the next episode, I'm going to talk about. Where do we start? What is the starting point for understanding the Bible changes us, but but what's the process? What do we do? What's the starting point? What's the first thing that we do? So come back, listen to the next episode as as I talk about if the Bible changes us, where do we start? Thanks for listening to this episode of Living Biblically. I pray that it encouraged, challenged, and refreshed you. Take care. Thanks so much for listening to Living Biblically. We hope this episode encouraged you today. And if you have any questions, feel free to email us at questions at gracelandbaptist.org.